today we're gonna I want us to shift and look at something a little bit different I just kind of feel um, you know in my heart you know God leading me in this particular direction today and so looking in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1 um, we're gonna see uh, a story that happens uh, with the Israelites and as they're, you know, as Moses has kind of pulled them out of, of captivity in Egypt and, 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 and slavery, and he's kind of uh, pulled them, and they've crossed over, and, and God has destroyed their enemies along the way, and now they're wandering around in, in the wilderness, and God has made a promise to them. He made a promise, and this promise was that they were going to inherit this land, and that this land was going to be really, really, really good land. It was not just going to be some, you know, piece of land way off in a corner over here where they could just kind of isolate themselves. No, God says, listen, I'm going to take you across the Jordan, and I'm going to bring you into a land that is just going to be so incredibly good. All right, and so God has made this promise to them. God has promised them. He's promised their forefathers saying that God is going to, that these people are going to inherit the land. And so they go through this process. And I want us to see, uh, you know, some things that we can learn. Um, how, they, um, how they dealt with the promises of God, how they interacted with the promises of God, and some of the mistakes that they made along the way that are some of the mistakes that we can make along the way too that actually affect us in our life, uh, in our what we got. And so, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, starting in verse 8, God here is saying, here it says, See, I have placed the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to them and their descendants after them. All right? So God told them right here, listen, I want you to go in. I want you to possess the land. All right? And because I, I promised, I swore, I was going to give it to you, I was going to give it to your descendants and all of the people that came after you, I was going to give it to all of you. It's your land. I have given you this land. It's yours. And he says, now I want you to go and I want you to take it. Okay? Now, here's the thing that as we kind of start this thing, one of the things that we need to understand and one of the things that you need to understand as it relates to the promises and the blessings of God is that God, one of the ways that he works is that he, um, we have to understand that he never just comes into our life and just dumps blessing and promises in our life just because like, here it is. No, and just like the Israelites, God had given them the land long before they possessed it, but even though that they had it, they didn't really even know it was yours. You know, if you for example, I've used this illustration before uh, talking about faith in particular, but if you received an inheritance from a family member that you didn't even know, and you didn't even know that you received the inheritance, well, the inheritance would be yours, okay? But as long as you don't know that you have it, you don't actually get to enjoy what it is that belongs to you. Okay, And it's not until you get revelation of what belongs to you that then you finally go in and you begin to enjoy it. So just because you own a piece of land of 10 acres and this three-story mansion has got all this incredible stuff on it, if you never go and live in the land, it's really not much of a blessing to you, is it? So God had given the Israelites this land that was supposed to be really good, but they weren't living in it. So it wasn't really much of a blessing. But what he told them to do is he said, I've given it to you, now go get it. 
And this is what he does sometimes in our life too, all right? Is that, yes, the Bible talks about his promises, and God's, all of God's promises are yes and amen, and all of his blessings are for us, his children, and, and because we are co-heirs with Christ, and we are heirs of the promise of Abraham, and all that kind of stuff we find written all throughout the Scripture. But the problem is that sometimes we sit back and we passively say, okay, well, where's the promise, God? Where's the blessing, God? And God says, okay, well, I've given it to you, given it to you, but you gotta go get it. You gotta go get it. All right? You gotta go get it. And this is what he's doing right here to the Israelites as well. They had to go and they had to serve some eviction notices on these Canaanites and Jebusites and all the other people that were living in the land saying that, hey, you're living in my land. You're living in my place. This is a place that God has given me, and I'm telling you your day is done because I'm going to inherit what it is that God gave me, all right? And so they had to do this, and God, you know, what, what he did is as they walked along and did what God told them to do, God was with them all the way, Right? He was with them, and he helped them, and he gave them leadership, and he gave them, um, you know, an idea of what they needed to do and how they needed to walk. And so when they crossed through the Red Sea and the waters and it swallowed up the Egyptian army, this, basically this news, what happened is, is um, you, know, that, you know, word would travel throughout the land, and you find this reading a lot of times. I'm, right now I'm actually even reading in Joshua, and you hear these, these stories that would happen in these these nations and these people that lived a long ways off would hear these stories because they would travel. People would talk about these things that were going on. So when the Israelites were delivered up out of Egypt, which is a, you know, a, 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 a powerhouse in the day, and God shows up and he does all these miraculous signs and he pulls them out. And not only does he pull them out, he calls, you know, the, the enemy then comes chasing after them. And then because they, you know, begin to chase after them, God just says, well, I'm just going to swallow them up. And I'm going to divide the right sea and you guys are going to walk over on dry land. And then when the enemy comes through, we're going we're to crush them. And all of a sudden now word is spreading throughout the land about these Israelites and how their God is doing some pretty incredible stuff. All right. This, this stuff. So they had a, this reputation that was following them, that God was already setting the stage for them. And then as they spent 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a miracle, okay? It's a miracle all by itself that, that this many people in the nation of Israel could last 40 years in a desert all by themselves, it was a miracle, this, the sustaining power of God. And of course, we know that, you know that God would send the manna and the quail, and he would have the cloud covered by day and a fire by night that would help you know, sustain them through the process of, of going through. The, and these things were incredible things that were happening to them, incredible stories. But how many of you know that God didn't want them to stay in the wilderness? You know, God didn't want them to stay in the wilderness. God wanted them to go, even though miracles were happening in the wilderness. God didn't want them to stay in the wilderness. He wanted them to go to the land of promise. Even though there was miracles of provision where God was raining manna and, and, and quail out of heaven to sustain them through this time, God didn't want them to stay in the wilderness. He wanted them to go to a land where they didn't need manna anymore. They didn't need the miracle anymore. They didn't need the supernatural provision anymore because they would be able to live in the land of abundance where they could live off the abundance of God's blessing and God's favor in that particular time. And so then they go through this, they go through this process, they, uh, they eventually cross over the Jordan on dry land, and 
they experience Jericho. They immediately walk up on Jericho, and they do the little seven-day march around it. Then they march seven times and yell, and the walls come crashing down. And, um, and so this, this, all of this stuff is, is happening for them. And God was able to set most of the things up for them. But even, even, when, the, even when God destroyed the walls of Jericho, okay, the people of Israel still had to go in and fight for what belonged to them. It wasn't like they walked around the city seven times and then God made the walls fall down and like, okay, let's go on to the next city. Yeah, okay. They still actually had to go in and possess the land that was supposed to belong to them. And they had to do what it is. That God. So as they walked into this promise, as they walked into this, this favor that God had given them, they had to walk by faith, believing and trusting in God every way. But there was stuff that they had to do. And all the while they were doing this, God was just blowing people's minds by doing incredible miracles. But it didn't happen because God did it all by himself. It did it because if, if they would have never crossed over the Jordan, there would have never been a Jericho. Okay? If they never would have walked out into the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant saying, okay, I believe God's going to provide a miracle right here, and they begin to walk out, and then all of a sudden God drives the land. If they would have never had faith to walk out when God told them to walk, then there would have never been a Jericho. If they would have never even gone to Jericho and said, you know what, I just don't feel like fighting. I don't feel like dealing with this. You know what, this little bitty land right here by the Jordan River on the other side, this is good enough. I just stay right. No, there would have never been another miracle. There would have never been a Jericho. Why? Because they became... They they could have become satisfied where they were and say, you know, I, I just don't feel like, I don't feel like dealing with that. I don't feel like dealing with that problem. But they had to, in order to obtain everything that God wanted them to have, they had to go and fight. You know, Paul talks about our walk with God as a fight. You realize that, right? He says, fight the good fight of faith. Okay? Fight the good fight of faith. I think sometimes it's really easy as believers to get this idea that if I'm a, because I'm a Christian, it's, I'm supposed to be passive. But the Bible actually tells us that the kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force, that there's, there is actually, you know, warfare that goes on that we have to fight. And if we want to receive the things that God has promised us in our life, then it, we're going to have to fight for it. It's not just going to come because we hope it comes. It's not just going to become because we ask it to come or any of those kinds of things. Sometimes you have to get up and you have to fight. There are times where God wants you to sit by and he wants you to know, but there are also times where he wants you to fight. And so uh, in every situation that God has for us, he always gives us an assignment. You always have something to do. In every situation, in every moment that you're in, in every battle that you face, in everything that you deal with, okay, in every promise that you want to receive from God, everything that you want to receive from God, okay, there, there, is, there is an assignment that God gives you. There is something that God is wanting you to do. And it may be small, because it doesn't have to be big. But what he wants to see is he wants to see you trust him. He wants to see that you can walk out in faith. And so we have to be aware of that. That if I want to walk in this particular area, if I want to walk in the promise of God in this area of my life, then there is there's an assignment that he's going to give me. So if I want to walk in healing in my body because I'm dealing with physical sickness, well, there's probably, or not probably, there's going to be an assignment that God's going to give to you that he's going to want you to trust him in. Now, how do, how do I know that? Why? Because when you look in the Bible and you see Jesus when he walked around the earth, 
When he healed people, he would tell them to do something. Like the blind man, okay, that I was just talking about earlier when he says, who, who was born blind? The Bible says that Jesus bent down, he spit in mud, he made little uh, mud pies, and he stuck them in his eyes, and then he said this. He said, go and wash. Go and wash. All right? Now, if the guy would have gotten offended because Jesus just stuck mud in his eyes, even though it's not like he had eyes to, like, feel the mud, but still he, like, spit and made mud pies and stuck it in his eyes, uh, you know, he would have never gotten healed. And if he wouldn't have done what Jesus told him to do, to go wash, he would have never gotten healed. Okay? Anytime we see this kind of stuff. So uh, maybe it's in the area of our, our finances. We want to walk in the blessings and the favor and abundance in our financial areas of our life, all right? But we don't want to walk out the assignment that God has given us, okay? That, that God gives us an area of an assignment in our life for us to do. Maybe we're dealing with, uh, you know, mental issues or other struggles in our life, and maybe it's a, a habitual, a stronghold or something, and God has given you an assignment. He's telling you, maybe he gives you some little step that he wants you to take. You don't want to take the step, and then you wonder why you continue to not be delivered. You, you wonder why you continue to struggle in that particular area of your life. is because God wants you to take, listen, he will defeat your enemies, but you got to do something. Okay? He, will, he will do it. But you got to do something. And that could be many, many different things that God, you know, it's not always going to be walking around and yelling at the walls, you know, that kind of thing. That happened at one city, but there were many, listen, there were many different nations that the Israelites destroyed in their conquest of the promised land. And there was only one city where they did a Jericho march. And now sometimes it's like, oh, they did the Jericho march, so now we all need to do the Jericho march about all our problems. Well, that's not really the way it works. God doesn't work through uh, systems and forms like that where, where, you know, if we do this and we, you know, I think one of the things that when I was young and I used to pray, I used to, like, pray the same way every time. Like, if God, if I was in prayer and God just showed up in prayer, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do it like that again. I'm like, you know, if I kneel down here and I pray and I just listen to the same worship song or something, and after a while, that becomes dry, and the reason why that becomes dry is because it's not about a system, it's not about a form. And so, in every situation that we deal with in our life, God gives us an assignment. And so, if you're waiting for your promises of God just to happen for you, or the things just happen, um, then you're going to be waiting forever. And so, if we skip down in Deuteronomy here, and, and to verse 19, we see this. It says, um, then we set out for Horeb. And went there all the great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way, the hill country of the Amorites, just as the Lord our God had commanded us. And we came to Kedesh and Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Ammonites, which the Lord our God is about to give to you. See that the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up, take possession. As the Lord, uh, the God of your fathers, has spoken to you, do not fear or do not be dismayed. All right, here it is again. God is basically saying the exact same thing all over again. It's like, for some reason, if he says it once, they're just not going to get it. So he's got to say it like a hundred times to them. Like, hey, go up, take the land. Go up, take the land. I've already given it to you. It's yours. I promise I'm going to be with you. And for whatever reason, they still didn't get it. If we skip over to verse uh, 22, it says, Then all of you approached me and said, Let us send men before us, that they may search out the land for us and bring back to us a word. Uh, of the way by which we should go and the cities which we shall enter. All right, and so what's happening here is that they, they, they pull out 12 guys 
one man from each of the tribes of Israel, and they send them into the land, and they go, they're going to go into this land, and they're going to scout out the land, they're going to check everything out, and, and, and to see what it is, all right? And so what, what, they're, what they're doing and what's happening here, because God has told them, listen, he's told them, you're going to, you're going to possess the land. And what they're asking now, God, is they're saying, God, well, how is this going to happen? You know, there's nothing wrong with asking God how. Like when you're dealing with a problem, you're dealing with an obstacle in your life, there's no problem with you saying, well, God, how are you going to do this? God's not offended by that. And he actually tells them. He gives them some directives on what to do. All right, just like when Mary, when, when the angel showed up before Mary and said, hey, you're going you're, you know, you're gonna, to um, become pregnant. You're going to give birth to this child. He's going to be the Messiah. And Mary's like, uh, how? You know? And so um, he was able to explain to them, and it, there's nothing wrong with this, but what we have to understand, most of the time in our life, when God leads you to do something, all right, when God leads you to do something, he's not going to give you all the information that you want. Okay? He'll give you the information that you need in the moment, but he's not going to give you all the information that you want. I know like when we moved up here to plant this church, you know, some eight and a half years ago, um, God just told me to come up here and plant a church, and that's the only, and look, okay, I'd been a youth pastor for 10 years, that's it. And I just felt God tell me uh, one day, and we struggled, my wife and I struggled with this for for months trying to figure out, you know, do we even know what we're doing? I don't even know. This doesn't even make sense. Why would we leave where we're at right now? This is just an incredible place. And we really struggle with this, this, this idea. But it was God just said, go and do it. And so what we did is we just said, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And then as we continue to walk out in, in, in what God led us to do, uh, then God began to open up doors. He began to give us direction as to what we were supposed to do next. And, and look, there was a learning process that I had to go through. There were things that I had to learn and, and, and understand a little bit about ministry and church planning and all that kind of stuff that, that you know, I, uh, we had to walk through. But it was, a, it was a step of faith. God didn't tell me everything. Okay? And as a matter of fact, I think that probably if he would have told me everything, I would have said, yeah, you know what, I think I'll... Uh, I'll stay right here, you know. I just gotta stay here, continue to be a youth pastor because it's a good thing, and um, and I like it here. But uh, what he does is he will he will guide us and he will give us a step. He will give us something that we're supposed to do, all right. And so what they do is they send these guys uh, into the land here, and in verse twenty one we see so they went up and they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob uh, at Lebo Hamath uh, when they had gone up to the Negev, they came to Hebron, where Ahiman and Sheshai and Talamai and the descendants of Enoch were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt, and then they came to the valley of Eshkel, and from there cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two men with some of the pomegranates and figs, and that place was called the valley of Eshkel because of the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from there. Look, I, I don't know about you, okay, but I have never seen a cluster of grapes that is so big that I've got to put it on a pole to help, you know, carry it. You know what I'm saying? You know, I just pick up the bag and, you know, here's my, here's my cluster. Okay, what was, what was in this land was so good, okay? It was so good um, that it was, I mean, it's unimaginable, 
what God was leading his people into was so good, it was unimaginable. You think about the fact that these guys had to help each other carry fruit because the fruit was so good and so luscious and big. And this, this is what God was wanting to do, is he was wanting to take them into this land where they were going to be well taken care of, right? And they came into this, this land. And one of the things that we see here, this, the Valley of Eshcol, the, the valley of Eshcol was actually the land where Abraham used to live and is actually the land where Abraham was buried, and they would have had to have known that, all right? And so one of the things that we see here in dealing with this and, and dealing with the promises, dealing with the favor and the blessings of God, one of the things that we have to understand in our life is that there is nothing that you will face in your life where there hasn't been someone before you has faced it as well. Okay, Abraham used to live in that land. They knew that, that they knew that that land belonged to them and everything. And they saw all this and that, that Abraham even faced those challenges himself. All right, that even in our life as God leads you and God guides you in your life to pursue his favor and his blessings for your life, you have to understand, okay, that you're, you're not the first person play, blazing that journey. That God has, has there, there are many other people around you, many other people, and most of the time we don't even know it, people that have faced some of the same battles and the same struggles that we have faced, and they have walked away victorious. And what the enemy tries to do sometimes, he tries to tell you that you're all by yourself, that you're the only one. You're the only one dealing with this struggle. You're the only one dealing with this problem. You're the only one having marriage problems. You're the only one having children's problems. You're the only one having financial problems. You're the only one dealing with these problems. Because everybody else comes and puts on their smiley face and we act like everything's good. And the truth is that, that, that you're not the only one. You're not the only one. There are other people that have gone on before you that have faced the same struggles and the same problems and the same temptations that you faced. And you know what? They've been able, been able to be victorious, even in the midst of it. Because God will do that for you. And so we look here at this, this thing, this story here. He, they send 12 people. Actually, this is what they do. They, they come back, these 12 people come back. And they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron, starting in verse 26, and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and Amorites are all living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. There were two guys of the 12, two of the 12 that went to Moses and Aaron and said, you know what, we can take the land. The other 10 guys said, we can't do it. Now, what did God already tell them? What did God already tell them? That the land was theirs, did he not? Didn't God already tell all of them on multiple occasions, on multiple occasions that the land belonged to them? And yet they went into the land and they saw how great it was, but 10 of them came back and said, you know what, the problems are way too big. I just, we can't, I can't face it, we can't face it. 
You know, a person of doubt only sees obstacles. A person that lives in doubt only sees obstacles. But a person of faith sees the obstacles and says, you know, these really aren't obstacles. These are just opportunities. Uh, there's a guy by um, the name of Bill Johnson. Um, I read a lot of his books and kind of follow him a lot, some of his podcasts and stuff. He, he said one time that about faith, because sometimes we get this, we misunderstand what faith means. And he says faith is not denying a problem's existence. It is denying a problem's influence in your life. Because we will all face obstacles. We will all face problems in our life. And when we walk in faith, it's not saying that the problem doesn't exist. It's saying that that problem doesn't control me. And that problem is not going to manipulate me. And that problem is not going to keep me in fear. And that problem is not going to keep me from pursuing the promises and blessings that God has upon my life. Doubters will look at all the things in the land and they will say there's too many obstacles, but a person of faith says um, that God is setting us up for something great. You see, one of the things that we see here in these, these cities, these, these cities that lived, they were, they were walled cities, these people that lived in these cities, and um, they, they didn't get, that's the reason why they were walled is because all of these nations didn't get along with one another. They didn't get along. So as the Israelites were able to go through the promised land, they only faced one city at a time. Instead of facing all the people at one time, they faced one city at a time. And as God was able to separate them out and, and bring one problem at a time in front of them, he was able to give them direction. And, and, and every time, as I'm, like I said, I'm reading through Joshua and I'm hearing the story and reading the stories how God is uh, you know, giving Joshua commands and instruction at every turn, at every moment he faces a challenge, at every moment and he faces an enemy, God gives him another instruction. And even though that instruction may sound weird or strange or whatever, he's faithful to walk through and to do what it is that God told him to do. And in the midst of his obedience and walking out in faith, God begins to give him the entire land, all of it. He begins to possess it. As a matter of fact, the only time that I can see in the scripture there where they failed, where they failed to take land was when they failed to obey the word of the Lord. The only time that I, I find that they failed in battle was when they failed to listen to the word of the Lord. God gave them some instruction. When you go into the land, don't take any of the loot, don't take any of the stuff, we're going we're gonna to burn it all. He said, it's not going to be here. And some of the people went in and they took the loot because they thought it was good and they thought it wouldn't matter. They disobeyed the word of the Lord and it brought destruction upon themselves, the only time that they weren't able to push forward was when they began to disobey what God had told them to do. And that's what happens. So when, how can we walk in the promises in favor of God when we aren't obeying him, when we aren't listening to him, when we aren't following the instruction that he gives us in our life, no matter how challenging or difficult it may be? Um, the blessing is always greater than the challenge. Rob, if you'll, you'll come.
You see, God led this nation, God led these people step by step. He gave them a strategy at every turn. You know, God's, the, the word of God says that God's word is a, is a lamp into my feet, right? It's a lamp. How many have lamps? You have lamps sitting around your house? You got a couple, a couple of you have lamps? We don't have a lamp. We have flashlights, right? We have flashlights. Lamps, you know, are good like ambient light, but they're not really good about seeing kind of off in the distance, you know what I'm saying? Right? I mean, if you want to see, you go get one of those big, like, you know, million lumen, I don't know, there's probably not even a million lumen light out there, but, uh, and you just, you turn that baby on and you blind everybody in its path. Uh, but lamps don't work like that. You kind of light a lamp and it's, you're holding that lamp. Basically, you have a light around you, but that's it. It doesn't really illuminate that much as a matter of fact, if you're walking in an extremely dark place and you're using a lamp, it's probably just going to give you enough to basically just look down as you're walking, you know? Like, hey, you know what? Here's the path. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk down here, all right? So the Bible says that God's word is a lamp. It's not a flashlight. It's not a spotlight. It's not, you know, a headlight or any of those kinds of things. The Bible says it's a lamp. That means God gives us when he guides us, he guides us in steps. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. It's not the paths of the righteous. It's not the future of the righteous. It's not the plans of the righteous. It's the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. God guides you in steps. And so what he does is he gives you a step. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to take that step. And, and that's it. Okay. What we want, though, because we, and especially in our American culture, because we've got to have everything planned out in everything that we do. I mean, some of you probably have what you're doing next year already planned out. Like, your calendar is so good. You're just like, man, I'm putting, I got vacations, and I'm, I'm getting this, I'm that. You're, you're just that, you're, I mean, you're like OCD with a calendar. You, you're getting it all planned out. And, and we're, we're, you know, and, but we want this. As a matter of fact, most of the time it drives us crazy when we're doing things that are like last minute. Like people, like, you know, uh, sports, you know, we, my kids play, you know, AAU basketball, and it's probably the most last minute thing you know, you don't ever know when you're going to play until like Thursday, the day before you're going to play and where you're going to play at and what time. And then after that game's over, you don't even know where you're going to play and what time. And there is maybe a general schedule, but it might change. And you get a text message the next thing you know. And then sometimes if, if you don't show up an hour early, you can show up and the game's already halfway going. And, and it's just this, you know, an organized mess sometimes. It's just the culture that it, that it is. Right, because we like to have, we like to know what's going on in our future. We like to have an idea and a plan for our days and our, our, our years and all of this stuff kind of mapped out and everything. And God is saying, you know what, listen, I, I'm just telling you that if you want to walk in my favor and you want to walk in my promises, you want to walk in my blessing, that you're going to have to get used to walking in steps. That he gives you a step and you take that step. All right. You take that step. And if you'll take the step 
the next step that God gives you every time. You don't have to worry about being where God wants you to be 10 years down the road. Because every moment of your life, you took the step that God gave you. And he'll put you and place you right where he wants you to be. You know, um, one of the things that's interesting about this particular story as we're looking here, um, you know it took, it took 30 years. It took 30 years for Joshua and the Israelites to finally drive out all the enemies of the promised land. 30 years. 30 years of fighting battles. 30 years of, of walking faithfully before the Lord. We read the Bible, we, we don't really grasp that sometimes. I think sometimes we're like, eh, you know what, if God's got a promise for me, why, why ain't it coming in today? Why ain't it happening now? Why isn't it happening now? Why am, why am I not receiving? If the Bible says that God is, 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 is my provider and I've got all these financial problems and, and he wants to bless me, then why isn't it coming into, why is it taking so long? If God is my healer, then why am I struggling with this sickness and this stuff all the time? Why, why is it taking so long? You know, sometimes walking in the promise of God it's not going to happen in the moment that you want it to happen. It's not going to happen just like that. It's going to be something that's going to take time. And the Bible says that at the appointed time, God will raise you up. At the appointed time, God will bring his promise into your life that the, that the, the plan and the vision will come to fruition. But it's always at the appointed time. And you don't know that time, and I don't know that time. But what we have to do is we have to walk out faithfully before the Lord in faith, knowing that God will do what he has promised to do in the right time. Look, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I, when, I, um, when we left Palmetto to come up here and plant this church, we had great ambition. I mean, I was, I, I, you know, I was a youth pastor, so in a way, as a youth pastor, you've kind of got to have a little, like, I'm going to run into hell with a squirt gun. That's how you know, we're going to just, we're going to, you know, we don't even care, you know. And that's, you kind of got to have that. And that's kind of how I was. I was like, you know what, we're just, we're just going to go do this thing. We're just going to go blow it up for Jesus. And guess what happened? We get up here, man, and we struggle. And we work, and we look, man, and there were nights. And when, when I first got up here, we, we didn't have jobs that we were coming to. We weren't coming to full-time ministry, even though I'd spent 10-plus years in full-time ministry already in my life. We didn't have anything. We didn't. I think it was probably a week before we moved up here that finally a house opened up for us. <laughs> we were like, hey, we're going in a week. We're not having anywhere to live. And we got a couple of kids. I don't, I don't know. You know, and we get up here and we don't have jobs or anything. And the only job that I could find at the time, okay, was with the Birmingham News throwing newspapers. And so for a year or more, what I would do is every night, every night, I would get up about 12 or 1 o'clock at night, and I would drive up to a place in Hoover where I had to bag like three to 400 newspapers. I had to take them, pack them in my car, and then I had to go driving through Helena 
all right? And driving through a Helena, throwing papers, following this little paper list of where the, and, and I'm throwing them out this window, I'm throwing them out this window, I'm reaching out, throwing them out over here, and I'm doing this till 3 or 4 o'clock every morning, even Sunday morning for our preach, which is the worst one because usually we had like 500 papers and they're like the really big papers, and it just took you forever. So I would go at midnight, and I'd get home at 6, and I would go to sleep for an hour and then wake up and come in here and preach, and I did this for over a year. And listen, there were nights in my life I'm thinking, what am I doing? What has happened to me? Why am I here? God, you told me. You told me to come do this. What is the matter with you? What's What's the matter with you? Why did you do this to me? And I would cry as I would just pray. I'm like, I was, it, was a, it was a mess. But look, man, I was the only person on the road I was allowed to, okay? I mean, nobody could see me. You know, nobody knew. And I was just there, man, and I would, I would play worship music or something, and I would just be like, God, man, I feel, I feel like that you told me you were going to do this. You told me that you were going to, uh, you know, create something. Good. We were going to come up here. We were going to make a difference. And, 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 and here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm just struggling. I'm having to throw you know, papers to feed my family and, and what, <laughs> this is just not what I thought it was going to be. And, uh, and look, and, and those nights, you know, turned into weeks and months and time went on and I continued to say, God, it, it, look, it, until you tell me to do something else, okay, until you tell me to do something else, I'm putting my hand to the plow. Until you tell me to do something else, I'm going to continue to go forward. I'm going to continue to take every step that you tell me to take. And there's been some moments in this journey, okay, right? I don't want to. There's been some moments in this journey. I say some, some is probably an understatement. It's because when you dedicate your life to live a life of significance, to do something that matters, okay, don't expect it to come easy. Okay? And if you want to walk in the promises that God has for you, if you want to walk in the favor that God has, listen, that means you're going to have to face some enemies. And you're going to have to face some giants. And you're going to have to face some obstacles. And you're going to have to go, and you're going to have to possess the land. It's not going to come to you if you sit around and wait for it to come to you. you got to go get it. you got to put one foot in front of the other and go do what it is that God has told you to do. Will you stand to your feet this morning?